Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Our period <laughs> talk was in year five. I saw blood in a toilet and I thought you someone got blood in a toilet oh. in the school. And I ran to the principal. And I said, something bad's happened. And he's like, what's wrong? I said, there's lots of blood in the toilets. You got to come quick. And we ran to the toilets and he's like, flush the toilet. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is episode 156. Hello and welcome to my podcast show, your coach, Helen Yuskovic. This is the Smart Chat series. This is an episode where I chat to an expert or a thought leader from around the world on a certain topic. G'day, friend, and welcome to the show. This is part one of today's episode with the amazing Melissa Christie talking all about connecting to your body, your hormones, your health. As a woman, we spoke so much that I had to split this episode into two different parts, but you're going to love it. Buckle up, get ready, make your tea. Here we go. Hello and welcome back to the show. I have an amazing guest here today and her name is Melissa Christie and she has such a beautiful book, which I really highly recommend to everybody. Um, yeah, you've got one too. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about Melissa before we start diving into this beautiful discussion. Melissa is an author. She's a speaker. She's a co-host of the PCOS Girls podcast. So make sure you go and subscribe to that today. She's a PCOS fertility coach and a mum of two rainbow babies. Now, Melissa has a beautiful story. After a diagnosis with PCOS and the miscarriage of her first baby, Melissa began a healthy journey that revealed to her just how segmented the health industry was. And Melissa began sharing her belief that to heal and maintain health, we need to understand our own bodies. And 
advocate for them and become aware of the many approaches that we can take to healing, uh, including the outside of Western medicine, which I love. (laughs) She released her first book and began receiving messages of pregnancies and improved symptoms because of the information that she had shared. She became a fluent speaker on periods, which I can't wait to dive into today, hormones and fertility, and an advocate for getting information about these topics taught in schools. You're so cool, Mm. Melissa. (laughs) Melissa Melissa currently spends her days running her business, growing with her family and slipping in self-care practices every chance she gets. Melissa, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. Before we start diving into all the juicy stuff, can you just Mm -hmm. give a little bit of a brief history of like, why... How? When? (laughs) How did this all unfold for you? Because it sounds like such a groovy journey. Yeah, but such an unexpected one. I'd never saw myself in the world of health and periods and all of that. Honestly, I was the most disconnected person in terms of being connected to my body, to my cycle, to my periods. But it was 2012, I got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. So then I started to learn a bit and start to understand periods a bit more and, you know, cycles and ovulation and hormones and things. But then, yeah, as you mentioned, um, in 2015, we miscarried our first baby and that just honestly changed everything. It was, I was already on a healing journey, like for sure. But when that happened, I mean, we were really, really devastated and I became really desperate to heal because, you know, with PCOS, we have almost twice the chance of miscarriage compared to people without. And so I knew that it had probably happened because of my PCOS. And in that experience of having that miscarriage, like we weren't in Australia at the time, we were in India, we were traveling, we're backpacking and they have incredible medical, like medical teams over there, especially with fertility. It's really like they really take it so seriously. At least that was our experience. And we learned a lot of information through the doctors there that I didn't know before. And that really stuck with me of like, well, why didn't I know that? And and it doesn't really feel fair that I know this. And then somebody else with PCOS doesn't know this. So mm. yeah, I kind of simultaneously went into this really deep healing journey where I was very desperate to heal. I really wanted to heal my PCOS and manage it because I had just felt like I could never go through that again. And I also was desperate to become pregnant again. But at the same time, I also become, became so aware of this knowledge that I'd gained and the knowledge that I was gaining because I was because I was traveling, I didn't have any of my normal practitioners. So I really had to just turn to myself and my husband, who's so supportive. And so, you know, I really turned to the internet and to books. And so I was, we, we kept traveling, you know, in a very different way because we were grieving so incredibly hard. But yeah, I learned a lot in that time. And I really clocked in my mind, like, I really, I want to help people not go through this. I want to mm. share this knowledge that I have because it doesn't seem fair. It just didn't seem fair that I might have this knowledge just because I happen to read this part of the internet or I happen to see this doctor and somebody else wouldn't know this stuff. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, when I feel better, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to think I'm going to try and work on sharing this information. And I also really learned how little support there was at that time. Things have definitely improved since 2015, but like back then the internet was just a total shit show. Like it was just a mess. And I thought 
there's just not that many tools for managing this. Like, you know, when you have any chronic health condition, you are dealing with a ton of symptoms and you're usually taking a ton of supplements. You're doing all these different lifestyle practices and it's a lot. Like it, it's honestly like a lot. Like you, you're, I remember my backpack, I'd walk around and it was like, it was rattling with all the different supplements I was taking. And I thought like, it's really hard to stay on top of this. So that was the other thing that I clocked in my mind. I was like, I, I really feel like I want to develop some kind of like management tool for helping to manage PCOS. And that's what led eventually, you know, a few months later, we ended up getting pregnant again. And I had, yeah, I'd, I'd healed so much. It was incredible and went on to conceive again. And then it was a few months after he was born that I, I felt like I finally got through the depths of the grief from losing the first baby. And then I started to write and then I started to build a website and, you know, start a blog and, you know, et cetera. And so, yeah, that led to me creating the PCOS journal, which was the first book that I created, which was you know, half book, half journal that you write in. And then, yeah, that's kind of where this new journal was born from, which isn't just PCOS specific, but is more broad, you know, broadly hormones, periods, fertility, self-care, all of that. So yeah, that was kind of how it was sort of born from the worst time of my life, but like incredibly I'm, I'm lucky, you know, I, I have had children and I can, I can look back and actually be kind of grateful for that time, which, you know, I never thought that I would say, but it, it honestly shaped my life and I can look at it. And I, just, I remember someone saying to me once yeah. that the baby that you have is the baby for you. The right, that's the right baby for you. And I apply that to my first baby as well. Like they were only inside of me for a few months, but they were the right baby for me too. They played a part in my life. And yeah, that's so, <laughs> that was a long so answer. Beautiful. <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's like this experience led you to your purpose in some way. Mm. I always believe that life is happening for us and not to us. So I. Yeah, it's just very inspiring to hear that that has led you to all of this goodness. Um, so well done you. Yeah. You should be so proud of yourself. Oh, thanks. I am. I'm super proud. The first couple of books I, I self-published and then this one I actually got a publisher, got a book deal for it, and I created. I actually created it with someone, a beautiful illustrator, a friend of mine, Steph. She's an incredible illustrator because this is not just a black and white book, as you know. This is like full colour, full of beautiful, flowery little illustrations. And yeah, Steph did that. And so, yeah, we, you know, we tried to get a book deal together and we got one. So we're so proud of that and yep. proud of the journey because, yeah, writing a book is no small task. And so, no, I am proud. I am. Totally. And it's such a beautiful book. Like, I can't Thanks. wait to actually start using it uh, in my pregnancy journey. So, uh, ah, it came at excellent. the right time. Perfect. <laughs> I'll let you know how it all goes. Yeah, please keep me in the loop. <laughs> uh, you talk about understanding your body as a woman. It's something that I remember when I was at school, we didn't really learn about. We had Happy Healthy mm. Harold. Um, in year six. <laughs> yeah. and then, He's still around, by the way. No <laughs> My way. son just got visited by him earlier this year, I think it was, or last year. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And that was pretty much it. Our period <laughs> talk was in year five. I saw <laughs> blood Me in a too. toilet. And I thought you someone got blood in the toilet oh. in the school. And I ran to the principal. And I said, something bad's happened. And he's like, what's wrong? I said, there's lots of blood in the toilets. you got to come quick. And we ran to the toilets and he's like, flush the toilet. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then he's like, Helen, go back to class. And I was like, 
okay, like really lost and confused. And then about half an hour later, it was year five and year six girls, everyone come to the assembly for a meeting. Wow. And we had like a period talk. Okay. But that was sort of like all we got. And would you have gotten it if you hadn't had this moment? Like you instigated the period talk. <laughs> All of your year five classmates know about periods because of you. <laughs> Man, I freaked out. That was so funny. So let's talk about periods and let's start with the phases of the menstrual mm. cycle because I don't think many people know that there is a phase, let alone a few phases of a menstrual mm. cycle. So why should we know what they are? What are they? Such a good question. And you're totally right. Like this isn't taught in schools and that's what we're advocating for. We're advocating for that change. And one of those things that we really hope can be taught in schools is these phases of the cycle. But I suppose the first thing I would want to say is, you know, because as somebody who never used to care about my cycle at all, never gave it a thought, I'd be on the pill, off the pill, like never, never gave it a thought, didn't know when my period would come, didn't know about ovulation, none of that. So the first thing I would like to say about it is that even if you never want to have a baby, so even if you're not trying to conceive, but even if you've decided children is not in your path at all, ovulation and your cycles still matter. And the reason that they matter is because ovulation is a reflection of our hormone health. If we're ovulating in a healthy way, that's a really good indicator that our hormones are swimming along nice and balanced. And our hormones are so important. Hormones get such a bad rap because, you know, we're all at some point told we're too hormonal or whatever. I mean, everyone on the planet is hormonal, like men are hormonal too. Testosterone is a hormone. Our hormones are honestly a lens through which we see life. Hormones they, the rise and fall of our hormones, certain hormones, they can make us feel happier at times. They can help us feel sexier at times, more creative, more energetic, more confident. They honestly influence our experience of our day-to-day life. So having them be balanced is pretty important Mm. in terms of having a happy, healthy life. So that's the first thing I want to say is just, you know, if you're someone who's like, "Eh," you know, whatever, like it doesn't really matter to me, that's okay. But maybe just check in for a cycle or two and just see where things are at. You know, how long is it from the first day of that first bleed to the next first day of your next bleed? What's that length? Is it 28 to 35 days or is it longer or is it shorter? You kind of want it in that 28 to 35 day range. The second thing that I'd want to say about it and why, you know, our cycle, our phases of our cycle matter is because our reality is that we're living in a patriarchal society and it is set up to reflect the male cycle. So men have a cycle as well, but it's 24 hours. So every day <laughs> they're really, every day they're show, that hormonally they're showing up the same, that that effect of hormones on their body is creating the same day in and day out for them. And that's what life is, right? That's our society, right? Where we show up to work every day and we're really supposed to kind of give ourselves in the same way each day. School is the same. We're supposed to give ourselves the same each day. However, females, we are, our cycle is a lot longer, you know, yep. it's a good 28 days. And for lots of us, it's much more and we've got to work on that. But, you know, we're looking at 28 to 35 days for a healthy cycle. And within that cycle is the phases. And that's what, you know, we want to go into because each of the, there's four phases actually. And the rise and fall of the different hormones that occurs throughout those four phases is what makes those phases feel different for us once we tune in. You know, yeah, like so many of us, we're really just oblivious to this and we think like, you know, we're just having a shitty day or we've been moody this week or, you know, 
I don't know if you've ever had the experience, like if you've ever been someone who runs or trains in any kind of way, you know, sometimes it's like really like easy to do a workout or you can run that five kilometers really easily. And other days it feels like a total slog, like it's really hard. This can totally be hormones. This can be what phase of your cycle you're in. In different phases, you have more energy, you have more like strength and capability on that front. So it's really nice to learn about the phases because Mm. we actually have these strengths that really come forth in these different phases. And if we can understand them, we can connect in with them and we can kind of plan our life around them a bit. So I'll run through them a bit and just like say a little bit about them. So the first phase of our cycle is the menstrual phase. So that's when we have our period. So first day of our period to when our bleed ends. And I guess something I actually want to just preface all of this with, I'm going to talk a little bit about like what these phases typically can feel like based on the hormones that are surging, right? However, we are all individuals. We're all different. And there's absolutely an an element of generalization to this. So a really important thing is to, to learn this information, to see what kind of what's typical. But then the second step in that is to actually make a little bit of a record of how it feels for you. Like what do the menstrual phases actually feel like for you? And because that's actually all that matters. <laughs> it doesn't yes. matter if I say that in your menstrual phase, you know, you can be introverted if you don't feel introverted in that phase, mm-hmm. like it's irrelevant. So um, that's actually part of the journal. My wellness journal is we teach you about this information, but then we actually provide space for you to make a little record of what it feels like for you. So that, because that's the only thing you really need to, to feed your understanding of this. So in the menstrual phase, you know, typically you might feel more introverted. You might have lower energy. You might want to rest more, but this is actually a really great time for, for certain things. So it's a really great time to be reflective, to be creative. You can be like quite quietly focused during this time. So it's a really nice time for like you know, if you're like an artistic person at all, this is a great time for making art, for singing, for writing. If you're a business owner, this is a great time for doing that creative side of business, like that brainstorming side of business where you start like coming up with ideas. Um, But it's also just a really nice time for nourishing your body, for cleansing your body because your body is actually cleansing during this time. It's cleansing out the uterus. And it's also a nice time for nesting, like not just in terms of like if you're pregnant and you have a baby coming, but also just making your space at home feel good. So not on like a chore front, like doing heaps of cleaning necessarily, but, you know, just making your space really nice. Um, And in terms of exercise, like it's this can be really nice for more like slow yoga and walking and just resting. And then we move into the, yeah, it's nice when you start to like give yourself permission for that as well. Like because that's that thing where we're in that patriarchal society and we've kind of just got to show up every day. You know, there's that, you know, show up like a man kind of vibe. But you know what, like when we have our period, we actually can give ourselves permission to sink into that a little bit. If you have the ability to do this, like financially and just with your work, it can be nice to just take a day or two as well, take yeah. it off. To I was have your just own about, business. Yeah. I was about to say that day one and day two, you know, sometimes if they're a bit full on, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to mm-hmm. cancel everything today. I'm just going to lay horizontal. Yes. <laughs> I remember when I started learning about this, I was working in the government at the time. And so, you know, it was kind of like, it was a sort of cushy job where you can take sick days and I would, I would take one or two sick days every time I got my period because I could and it felt right. And it was like really nice to give myself that permission, but obviously that's not 
um, possible for everybody. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then we move into the follicular phase, which is sort of from when you're, it really does encompass when you have your period as well. Okay. Like it really kind of starts at the start of your cycle, but we can think of it in terms of when our period ends all the way through to those kind of couple of days leading into ovulation. And this is where we start to feel more energy coming. We start to feel more vibrant, more positive. And this is a really good time for for setting meetings, for doing like teamwork stuff, for problem solving, for strategizing. Really nice time for starting projects too. Like you've got this new energy and that can really translate Mm. into work and school projects as well. And in terms of exercise, this is where we might start to feel like that more intense exercise is a bit easier for us. So this is a great time to do more vigorous exercise if you're into that. Things yeah. like swimming and cardio and bike riding. But also I'll preface that by saying that if you're somebody who has lots of inflammation in your body, you know, like maybe you've got gut issues, bloating, lots of joint pain, water retention, skin issues, headaches, you know, real signs of inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes intense exercise can be a bit fueling of that because it can create a bit of a cortisol release, which is like a stress hormone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. release, And that can kind of further that inflammation. So always do check in with what feels good and right for your body as well. This is all, as I said, there's a generalization to this. Yes, of course. And then we move into our ovulatory phase, which is just those couple of days leading into ovulation. I mean, there's just so much I could say. Like I can tell that I'm already saying so much. Because no, <laughs> I'm love thinking, it. well, what if someone's listening and they're thinking, well, how the hell do I know when I'm ovulating? So and yes. that's a whole other conversation as well. But as a very quick little indicator, a really nice sign of ovulation is where your cervical fluid becomes like more watery and then actually quite stretchy, like almost like raw egg whites it's described as. It's actually very similar looking to that. So when you start to see that kind of cervical fluid, that can can be an indicator that ovulation is happening or it's coming in the next day or two. When you're Uh someone with PCOS, there's some caveats to that. But if you've got a pretty regular cycle, then that's a pretty good indicator of ovulation. That's so interesting. So if you have PCOS, it's different. Mm. Well, like with PCOS, we can struggle to ovulate. And so what can Mm. happen is our hormones, they shift. They do what they're, you know, they're trying to do what they're meant to do. And we can start to see a bit of that cervical fluid change to the, Mm. the stretchy egg white. However, our body can 
can fail to actually mature that egg enough to actually release. And so it won't actually ovulate. And then our body will kind of reset back to the start and move through the hormones again. So we saw the egg white cervical fluid, but we didn't actually ovulate. And we actually might see it several times in our cycle before the egg actually releases, if it does at all, depending on where you're at. So that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's so interesting too. (laughs) But I'll just quickly run through this ovulatory phase. So this is where you can feel really confident, you know, because I mean, biologically, this is where our body's like, come on, like time to make a baby. Like I've got an egg here. Let's have sex. Let's make a baby. So you might find yourself feeling more confident, more attractive, actually like quite invincible, like really on top of the world during this time. So this is a really nice time to be social, to network, to make, like if you're a content creator, like this is a great time for making video content, for launching projects, negotiating deals, because you feel like really like you've got this. Yeah. Um, A really good time for leading teams, for public speaking and dependent on, I I don't know, I always used to say this is a really nice time to date because like, like go on a date because you're feeling (laughs) really good. But then and also, like, you might be kind of like have quite an urge during this time. So maybe be you want to hold off on dating. Yeah. Yes. And in terms of exercise, if you're into high intensity exercise and if that feels good for your body, then this is the time for, you know, those hit classes at high intensity interval training, CrossFit, running, you know, dancing is really good in this time. And then we actually move into our luteal phase and our luteal phase goes from after we've ovulated all the way through to our next period. And this is where our energy can start to come back down. So a bit more low energy. However, really focused as well. So this is a really nice time to like, if you've got a to-do list, this is a nice time to start moving through it, ticking lots of things off and doing like really focused tasks. Like if you need to do bookkeeping or admin tasks, a great time for attention to detail kind of tasks and completing projects as well. I mean, this is this can be so well applied if you have your own business because you have so much control over the planning of your days, your weeks, your months. You can really kind of map out like, well, I think this week would be a really good time to work on that new thing that I'm starting and this week would be a really nice time to film all that content that I need to do. Right. But you can also apply it to to schoolwork to an extent. Obviously, it's not really set school's not really set up for us to have phases and neither is the workplace, but there is a a little bit of control that you can have there if you can do a little bit of planning ahead. And then in the luteal phase in terms of exercise, it's like, you know, it's definitely not like your menstrual phase where it's like really low energy, you can still exercise during this time, but it might be more like like relaxing swims and like Pilates Uh and strength training and yoga. Yeah. But I just also just want to really drive home that, of course, it's really about looking in at your own phases and just seeing what is true for you because that's really yeah. all that matters. <laughs> that's so interesting. And, yeah, I highly encourage any listeners to, to just work with these phases next cycle and just see how you go. I remember mm. hearing someone talking about phases sort of like the seasons, uh, yes. summer, autumn, winter, and spring. Yes. And so sometimes, you know, when it's like day one, two, I'm like, this is definitely winter for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is definitely time for me to hibernate right now. And so it made sense when you were like the following week, the follicular phase is when you feel confident, which is like spring, yeah. which is like, yeah, it's ready to open up and ready to, yeah, bring things back to life. I love this stuff. It's so interesting. <laughs> it is. And I think like, 
teenagers would be into learning about this stuff. Like I've seen it myself in, in when I've done speaking and, and run workshops and even like at my book launch recently, like some of my friends brought their teenage daughters. They were so into this stuff because I, you know, I spoke at the event and they were, they were totally into it. And there's incredible people. I mean, I'm obviously not the only person in this space still talking about this kind of stuff. There's incredible women online spreading the information about this and and going into schools as well and like actually presenting at schools and it's so well received like teenagers want to know this stuff and that's when we want to know it we want to know it from the start because the issue is we don't talk about this stuff and honestly it's quite taboo still to talk about these things you know it's all like hush hush gotta hide the tampons and like you know we don't want to talk about (laughs) it but it's actually resulting in, it's resulting in these really long diagnosis times for us. So things like PCOS, it's taking upwards of 10 years sometimes to get these diagnoses. 70% of people with PCOS don't know they have PCOS. They're undiagnosed. And endometriosis takes about 12 years to get a diagnosis. For some people, it's so much longer. And so one of the contributing factors that causes this is the fact that we're not we're not having these conversations. We're not actually learning that knowledge in school. And then we're also feeling a bit of shame around it. So we're not talking to our doctors or our mums or our friends even sometimes about how much period pain we're having or how long it's been since our last period. We're just not really talking about it. So yeah, I remember how much. (laughs) Totally. I remember feeling so much shame as a kid when it Mm. came to periods and all of that stuff, because it wasn't discussed ever in like our household it wasn't really discussed at school and yeah it was just this thing that was like oh my god I have my periods I'm such a failure (laughs) this is so embarrassing crazy Mm. and now learning to re-fall in love with your cycle and how grateful I feel to be able to have a healthy cycle it's such a great mindset shift that I hope everyone listening is feeling And if you're a teenage girl that is in a household where it is taboo or you are feeling shame, just know that there's lots of places that you can reach out to. You could reach out to us for support. Uh, You could reach out to your friends for support. But, yeah, you're never alone. I was there. Uh, (laughs) Mel, it's time for your first curveball. Are you ready to play? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sure. Hit me. You'll love it. You will love it. <laughs> because the first curveball is what is your favorite form of self-care? Oh, I do love it. Okay. <laughs> oh, but it's too hard. Okay. Uh, all right. Take I think my favorite form of self-care because of how how much it helps me, honestly, it's is going to bed at a good time so mm. that I can get up earlier and have that really early like dawn morning be able to like get outside see the sun have that like so it's a bit of a cheat answer because it's actually all encompassing of like a heap of self-care practices you wake up nice and early you go outside you have that sunlight hit your eyes which is fantastic for your metabolism it's fantastic for your melatonin later that night it's fantastic for so many things you have that space to be able to make the cup of tea and actually drink the cup of tea while it's still warm (laughs) peace yes slow down in the morning so it's not like this rush to get out of the door. You've actually got so much time. That was actually really life-changing for me when I had postpartum depression. That was one of the, that was the first thing that like just it pulled me up and out of wow. it a bit. Quite a bit. Did you, and then did you, you know, s- I layered some other stuff on. 
Did you start that uh, post-pregnancy, that little self-care routine? I did. I did. I started it about three or four months postpartum because I was I was struggling more than I'd ever struggled in my entire life. I didn't know I had postpartum depression. I couldn't see that. I could see I had postpartum anxiety. I was even teetering on the edge of postpartum, oh God, what's the word? Postpartum, postpartum psychosis. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, starting to hallucinate a little bit and that was terrifying absolutely terrifying. And I, you know, I mean, I don't know if listeners have a sense of me or you have a sense of me yet, but I'm pretty, I approached my health very naturally. And I was like, oh, to my husband, I'm like, I actually think that I'm going to need medication. Like, you know, I'm, this isn't okay. And my whole family is falling apart because of, of how I am really. And then I thought to myself, oh, I've got these incredible natural health practitioners that I see. Maybe I'll just go to them first and just see if there's something that can help my mental health naturally. Like I hadn't actually thought of that before. And it turned out there was so much that could be done. And the first person I saw was my Ayurvedic practitioner, which is traditional Indian medicine. And she was the one who was like, let's get you going to bed a little earlier, waking up a little earlier and having a nice little morning routine. That was the first thing that she recommended and it changed everything for me, really shifted me. And then, yeah, she had some herbs that she prescribed me. And then I went to my functional medicine practitioner and she had incredible support for me. I, I highly recommend this as an as an avenue to explore for mental health. There are incredible amino acids that can actually help us to produce our happy hormones, those those neurotransmitters that often um, have dropped. And that's why we're feeling anxiety. That's why we're feeling depression. It's because we don't have enough GABA. We don't have enough serotonin. We don't, we're not making much enough dopamine or whatever it might be. And yeah. So Amazing. anyway, that was a little off track, but that's why that is my most favorite self-care practice is mm. because it changed my life. Yeah. I'll just mention a very quick runner up, which is um, just heat packs, heat packs oh. or hot water bottles, particularly mm. over if we're talking about menstrual health, particularly over the lower abdomen, it's going to bring blood circulating to to your reproductive organs. It's going to bring, and with it, that will bring oxygen flowing to your reproductive organs. And this is fantastic for fertility. It's fantastic for your cycle health. Wow. So that's been a big one for me as well. Yeah. That's so interesting. Uh, my Ayurvedic doctor, she recommended eight and a half hours of sleep a night for me. And I was like, wow. And I just love how simple the practices are. Mm. Just getting back to the yeah, basics. Yeah. What's your favorite self care practice? Oh my gosh. It would have to be massages and baths, massages, baths, and meditation. I'm like you. I can't really pick one. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. (laughs) But I try to do something every single day. Let's dive back into this conversation because in your book, you talk about getting to know your flow. And Mm. I love that because this is something that I didn't know before. And you talk about the color of our period Mm. and how it can tell us about our health. Let's talk about that. Yes, let's. This is another thing that would be so simple to teach in school, like so easy. It's like, it's the easiest thing in the world and, but it's not, and it's at our detriment. It affects our health that we don't know this. So I guess what we want to see with our period is really bright, red, fresh looking blood. That's like a pretty smooth texture, steady flow. We're often going to see a little bit of like brown colored period blood, 
maybe at the start or at the end, and that's pretty typical. It's just a bit of the older blood that's been in there the longest moving out. If you're someone Mm. with PCOS, you're going to see this a bit more because often our cycle is longer. So that lining has been building up for longer. And so it's going to, you know, basically be oxidized and, and turn wow. that more rust kind of color. But we're all yep. like, when we've really got that flow happening, it's, you know, you want that bright red blood. If mm. you're seeing more of like a really dark red blood that's kind of like heavy and thick and clotting, this can mean a couple of things. This could mean high estrogen which is very, very common. It could also mean stagnation, which is a concept that's talked about very heavily in Chinese medicine in, and in Ayurveda. It pretty much occurs, it's kind of based on what we are just talking about, it pretty much occurs when there's just not enough blood and therefore oxygen circulating to the reproductive organs. It's all just a bit mm. slow in there. It's stagnant. And there's, there's lots of other symptoms we can have when we've got stagnation. So things like polyps and fibroids and cysts, but also like period pain and really heavy clotting periods. These are big signs that there could be stagnation going on and there's lots we can do about it. And if you want support, then I highly recommend a Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic practitioner because they have such a focus on this and they'll really be able to determine if stagnation is happening for you and they'll be able to address it really thoroughly. But really just, you know, if this kind of resonates and feel like, yes, this is me, this is definitely me. Even just like like I said, heat packs, using them regularly, getting fresh blood circulating there. You'd be really surprised what difference that can make. Self-fertility massage like or just self-massage on that lower abdomen. There's also some teas that can really help with this, like raspberry leaf tea is really good for, yeah. for bringing circulation to the reproductive organs as well. So yeah, so if you're seeing... It is. <laughs> if you're seeing a lot of like that brown blood, like rust kind of colored blood, this is oxidized blood and it could just be old blood moving out. If you're just sort of seeing it at the beginning and in the end, like that's pretty to be expected. But if you're seeing a lot of it, it could mean that you're not creating enough progesterone. And all of these hormones that I mentioned, we can get testing for this. We can get simple blood testing from our GP to look mm-hmm. into this for us. If you're seeing more of like a pink color, like sometimes people see more of a pink period blood and it's quite, it's like quite light colored and kind of watery. This can mean a few things as well. So this could mean low estrogen. This could mean anemia. So an iron deficiency. It could mean nutrient deficiency kind of generally. So sometimes people can see this like when they get their period back postpartum and they're still breastfeeding and they're not, if they're not doing anything to kind of counterbalance all those nutrients that are getting kind of sucked from them, sometimes you can see that you've just got a bit of an overall nutrient deficiency and your blood might be a bit lighter and sort of more watery and pink. Sometimes this is a little bit different, but you know, if you see just a tiny bit of pink blood, it could be implantation bleeding. So it could be that you're pregnant. So that's something to just note as well. Another color is orange. You could have like a bit of an orangey blood. Yeah. And this could just be your blood mixed with like a whole bunch of cervical fluid, or it could mean an infection. So if you're seeing orange period blood, I'd definitely go and have a chat to your doctor about that. And then there's gray. If you're actually seeing like a gray sort of blood coming out. This is not typical and it can mean bacterial vaginosis. So again, Wowza. something to talk to your doctor about. And yeah, we should just all know that, right? Because if we have a sign that we have bacterial vaginosis, we should, you know, be able to recognize that and go to our doctor. Yeah. Just understanding yeah. your flow and the different colors that you see, I think can mean a lot. And it sort of makes sense. The darker, heavier bleeding day one, day two, 
for mm. me and that's my uh, heat pack days. So, mm. yeah, it just sort of made sense when you said that. Uh, is it normal to have different colours during your cycle? Um, I, I think that anything can be normal. Um, it's really good to find out what your normal is. So this is why I'm a big believer in keeping a bit of a record. And, I mean, obviously I think that because I've created a journal that does that. But even for people who don't want to, you know, drill down into things and, like, obsess over it for 12 months or something, even just if you look at your, your period for just a couple of months, just like two or three months, just like take a little note. Once we learn this stuff, we, we don't really unlearn it. So just like take a note of it for a few months and just start to learn like what's typical for you. So then you'll see a change and that's really, really good to be able to note. But what is definitely typical is seeing that kind of brown blood in the beginning and the end and then like whatever other blood in between. So yeah. I remember when I got my first period, my mother came to me with a pad that was mm. so big, which is like an overnight pad <laughs> that we have now. So, wow. Um, and the only things that I would use at school would be pads. And then later on, I started using tampons. Mm. And now there's all of this research and information to say the chemicals that are in these products and that there are some healthier alternatives to tampons. I would love to ask you why we should be cautious of tampons. I hope you enjoyed that episode and the first part of this two-part series. Make sure you tune in next week for some more deliciousness and goodies. We dive into fertility as well next week, which is just so amazing. I hope you got a lot out of this and I hope you learned something new today. If you did, come to my Instagram and let me know. Stay beautiful and I'll see you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.